Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and you are listening to the Chosen People Ministries radio program. And I serve as the uh, international director as well, and so uh, it's my joy to have a, a pretty good overview about what God is doing among the Jewish people in relationship to Jesus the Messiah. And with me is Bobby Walter, who also has a good overview since he lives in the city and leads the region for Chosen People Ministries that has more Jewish people than any city in Israel unless you really extend Tel Aviv, and then you'll get up to 4 million. But New York City has a good solid 3 million, and so uh, and throughout the environs. Uh, Bobby, welcome. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Shalom, and shalom to all of our listeners. Uh, as always, we are, uh, we're grateful that you're tuning in. And we're continuing our study this week, Mitch, on a topic that I think is pretty cool so far. I've really enjoyed where, where the conversation has gone over the past few weeks as we've been talking about the names of God. Yes, I know that I've been learning a lot from Bobby's study, you know. <laughs> and I've and, been learning uh, a lot from your study, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all could join us with the dynamic, you know, as we do this because... Um, you know, I, I once had a professor at seminary who was asked a really difficult question by a seminary student and said, you disagree with one of your mentors, who happened to be Charles Ryrie mm. uh, at Dallas Seminary at the mm-hmm. time. And my professor said, well, you know, some of us have kept reading the Bible after seminary. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't ask that question, you know. And so the Word of God is alive, it's active, and... The Holy Spirit illuminates us to uh, God's truth, and so we we are not just reading any book. We're not just studying any book. This this book is alive and active, inerrant, perfect, inspired, God-breathed, and so there's always a lot to learn, and no matter how long you've been a believer or how long you've been studying the Bible, there is always something new to learn. Isn't that right, my Bobby and my brothers and sisters? You know that... That's true. And so we're going to look at the names of God, and today we're going to continue our study on probably what is one of the main names for God, maybe the name, main name for God, uh, a bit of a rivalry maybe with Elohim, but certainly the Hebrew word that is unpronounceable for Jewish people. So what do you do with radio? You know, people said, I have a face for radio. I have a name I have a name for TV, you know, you just, you actually, you can't say it because the name is so holy. And I was raised in a traditional Jewish home where you just didn't say the name. So the letters in Hebrew are yud Hey vav Hey, and there's your first Hebrew lesson. But we, most people pronounce it Jehovah, Jehovah. And Jewish people would never say the word because it's, you don't want to make it you don't want to take the sacred and make it profane by everyday usage, and so we don't say it. The replacement words for yod Hey vav Hey for Jehovah, the replacement, I feel a little guilty saying it, you'll, you'll understand that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, 
you can take the guy out of the bar mitzvah, but you know the bar mitzvah stays in the guy, you know. And so we use a number of different names. One that's used quite a bit is Adonai, mm. Lord. And so uh, that's a very common. So when Jewish people, particularly traditional Jewish people, talk about Adonai, they're talking about Jehovah. They're just not pronouncing the name. And then another name. What's your favorite replacement name, Bobby? Ooh, you know, I kind of like Hashem. Uh, ah, yeah, Hashem good. is Hebrew. It means the name. Um, and you know, Mitch, even when we talk about Adonai and how that's used uh, as a replacement for those four letters, the Yod Hey Vav Hey, the, the Jehovah, um, there, there are even safeguards in place with when Adonai is used. Uh, because if you're talking to a Jewish person on the street, they're not even going to say Adonai then. They'll say Lord or Hashem or, or just God. Uh, but Adonai is usually reserved for prayer or reading the Torah in the synagogue. So there, there are even these added measures of, of reverence. Uh, that, that's really Israel, what, what it comes down Israel, to. Except in Israel, Bobby. Except in Israel. Except in Israel, yeah. Because Adonai could mean waiter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, it's a modern, you know, it's what happens when you take Hebrew out of the synagogue and put it on the street, you know? Right. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it gets quite different. You know what, my, my favorite growing up was Ado Shem. Mm. That, don't look for that one in the Bible. Yeah, don't look for that one in the Bible. You will never find it, okay? Yeah, so, so explain Ado Shem to us, Mitch. Well, it is a composite term. We'll talk about composite names for God next week. But Adoshem is a combination of Jehovah and name, mm. but with the replacement, Adonai. Right. <laughs> so, so This all sounds very complicated. It, it's, it's always complicated when you avoid something. You know, it's a lot easier to just say it, right? Yeah. And so these are all avoidance terms. Mm. Uh, but... The motivation for avoidance is a good motivation, in my opinion. When I was growing up and going to a more orthodox Hebrew school, you could never put your Bible on the ground. If you dropped your Bible, you picked it up and kissed it on both sides. Hmm. When the Torah is taken around a synagogue, people touch the Torah with their hand or with the fringes of your talit uh, or with your prayer book, book. Mm -hmm. and you touch it, and then you kiss the book. I've had Christians say to me, wow, that's bibliolatry. I said, well, <laughs> I mean, if you got to have an idolatry, it's not a bad one to have, <laughs> you know. But but I don't think it's bibliolatry, uh, or it's just Jewish people would never think like that. It's just honoring and reverencing what the book that God wrote and that right. Moses gave on Mount Sinai. And so it's it's, in a sense, it's attributing holiness to the Word of God, which is, we say Holy Bible, but that's because it really is. Yeah. It's set apart for God's special purpose. Yeah, and, so that, uh, that's the same principle then with these, these uh, substitute names like exactly. Adonai or Hashem or Adoshem, right? I, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so what's you interesting, um, yeah. you know, I think the Jewish people have a long history with God's name. And, you know, Mitch, maybe we could jump into the scripture here uh, because we see kind of where that history begins. 
with God's name in particular in relation to the Jewish people, and and this name in particular, the name, right? The yod heh vav And I think we can look back in Exodus chapter 3. Wonderful place to start. Yeah. So, the, the setting here is you've got God's chosen people, Israel, in slavery, in bondage, under the oppressive rule of the Pharaoh. And for 400 years, right, we know the story. They, they cry out to God for deliverance. God raises up Moses uh, to be a deliverer, to be the redeemer, to be the one to, to set Israel free. And in Exodus chapter 3, we find the burning bush where, where God speaks from that burning bush. The angel of the Lord speaks, God speaks from that burning bush to Moses and gives him this calling. And uh, th- this calling to go to Pharaoh and to, to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Uh, and to begin the deliverance of the Jewish people. And Moses asks a question to God, right, regarding his name. And we see it in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? And then Moses asked, What shall I say to them? Uh, I think the context of that also is very important because um, a lot of scholars will say, and I would agree, uh, that all of the gods of Egypt, that all of the plagues in Egypt referred to the various gods of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So Egypt, in a sense, had a pantheon, had an array of gods. And so when God brought judgment through the ten plagues to get the Jews out of Egypt, he showed his power over the gods of Egypt. And so the name of God, you know, what, what is unique about your God? We've got plenty of them. Mm-hmm. So why should we listen to you? What's his name? And who is he? And so I think that was the question that, um, you know, that Moses was, was addressing because, uh, because Moses grew up in an Egyptian home. Right. And he would have, he would have understood this array of gods. And now even Moses was probably wondering you know, which, which God? Because this is the first time, really, that Moses meets God. Yeah. So then God's response in verse 14, this is what he says. God said to Moses, Ehiyeh asher ehiyeh, which is Hebrew. And there's honestly like a lot of different avenues that you can take to translate that. Uh, some translations have, I am who I am. Or others will say, I will be who I will be, or I shall be who I shall be. Um, but regardless, God is saying to him, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So what God draws attention to for Moses here, as he's uh, instructing Moses how to explain him to the children of Israel, he draws attention to the essence of God and the fact that he is eternal, right? He, right? he has no beginning, no end. He just is. And he will be who he will be. And, and, uh, and he is who he is. So he, he draws attention to his existence and specifically his eternal existence. And this sort of sets things in motion uh, with helping us understand what that name means, what Jehovah means, what the yod heh vav means. 
because throughout the rest of Exodus, throughout this, this Passover journey, this deliverance journey, we see God revealing even more about his nature and his identity and what's wrapped up into the, this name uh, that... Right. Right. I mean, Moses couldn't have known much. So when we started out the series, we kind of broke up uh, the attributes of God into two major categories, because that's typically the way theologians will do it. His communicable attributes, those that are part of the image of God implanted in man, and then his incommunicable attributes, those are things man could never be. So man, well, he can be, he can be eternal because God does give us the gift of eternal life. And, uh, but there's a different type of eternity uh, that, that man enjoys than what, who God is. Uh, it's still a dependence upon God mm-hmm. you know, for our being eternal. And so uh, God is love. That's a moral attribute, which means we're implanted with the image of God, we're capable of love. And so we can be like God. But in this instance, all we learn about God is really one of his non-communicable attributes, that he is eternal. In other words, he has no beginning, he has no end. We always have a beginning. So we have minimal e- eternality, mm-hmm. you know. So God has no beginning, he has no end. Uh, when, when did God become God? Good question. Um, it's the wrong question, but it's a good question. Mm-hmm. God never became God, he always was God. And so um, this gets picked up, doesn't it, in uh, Jesus' answer uh, to the Pharisees in uh, John 8.58, where he says, right, I am, before Abraham was, right, I am. So this gets translated into Greek, but it's, of course, it's the same concept. So I am. So God is an eternal God. He establishes his, his eternality the moment Moses meets him, which makes him a God above all other gods because the gods of Egypt had weaknesses and the God of Israel had no weaknesses, still has no weaknesses. Um, you know what I think is the most amazing part of this passage, Bobby? What's that? Really, that God spoke Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it makes God a God like no other God, the true God, and everybody, everything else is a false God, of course. But he expressed it in Hebrew uh, because the construction of the grammar is so pristine, so clear that he is who he is. We find out more about God as the story unfolds and especially in Exodus 34, where Moses is hid in the cleft of a rock and uh, God passes over the cleft of the rock, puts his hand to cover Moses because no one can see God and live. And instead of seeing something, uh, God speaks and he claims uh, a number of other uh, attributes. Um, the The Lord God, Okay, the Lord, the Lord God, and that word Lord there is yod heh vav mm-hmm. So we know, we know who we're talking about. The word God there is from Elyon. So it's the Lord, it's the Jehovah, Jehovah Elyon, or Jehovah El, 
which is from Elohim. And then God reveals some of his attributes because all Moses really knew about him was that he was eternal and capable of administering judgment, of course, through the plagues and splitting the Red Sea. So he understood God's power, of course. But here's a whole other side to God. God is, he says, the Lord God compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, keeps loving kindness for thousands, which is why a lot of people associate the Hebrew word Jehovah with a covenant keeper. Mm. So it's, it's a covenantal name. Who forgives iniquity, speaks of the day coming day of atonement, transgression and sin, all three words in the Bible, major words for sin are used in that passage. He won't leave the guilty unpunished. And anyway, uh, it's a beautiful passage. We don't have time to explore it any further. But in a sense, God fills in the blanks that were left at the burning bush on the mountain when God met Moses in a most glorious way and actually hid Moses from his presence so that Moses would stay alive. And so God is a self-revealing God. And when we say yod heh Jehovah, or Adonai, or Adoshem, we're talking about a God who has extraordinary uh, uh, character and attributes to who he is. And as we learn the Bible and study scripture, we are learning about the God that the Bible reveals. There's so much to learn. And imagine what's left to learn when we hit eternity. Right now, we're going to hear from Greg Stone, a Jewish man whose life had been turned upside down at a young age, but then he found Messiah and everything changed. Greg is a wonderful brother. He leads the Messianic Jewish outreach and work at Gateway Church, somewhere in between uh, Fort Worth and uh, Dallas. He's just a wonderful brother, and his life really was transformed by the Messiah. I grew up Jewish. My mom's a Jew. My dad's a Jew. Went to Shabbat services. We never missed the high holidays. I was bar mitzvahed uh, with Rabbi Arthur Hertzberg, vice president of World Jewish Council. And uh, I remember one time somebody held a, about a four or five inch knife to my chest because I was wearing a Star of David. We had a babysitter, and one day the babysitter had us over their house, over her house, instead of over our house. And I remember coming down her stairs and looking over to the left over the banister at the fireplace, and there was this picture that just caught my eye. And I said, wow, who, who is that? I heard her answer. It was, that's the Son of God. And I went home that day, and I, I said, Mom, guess, guess what I saw today? I saw a picture of the Son of God. And she said, we don't believe that. My parents divorced when I was five years old. I didn't realize how much it devastated me. It just created like a bunch of like fissures and brokenness down in my heart. And before long, as I got older, I started to fall into drugs and other kinds of bad behavior. Uh, I started to, to play with marijuana at first. By the time I was near the end of my junior high school, I was smoking marijuana every day. And by my freshman year, I started to to uh, play with cocaine. I can remember more than once going through paralysis as I went through withdrawal. I mean, my life had just bottomed out. Greg, why don't you join the Air Force? It'll make a man out of you. And there was this 
pilot who would come out to my post, I'd be guarding his plane, and he would bring me a cold drink and he would ask me questions about Judaism. I found his questions to be uh, honoring about my background. And one day he said to me, would you like to go to church with me? And I said, well, uh, yeah, yes, sir. But I was only being polite to him. I didn't really want to go. But one Sunday night, he came by my, my room in the barracks, and he says, well, you ready to go? We got there a few minutes late. We're seated way up in the balcony in the back. And this woman who's old enough to be my mother comes up to me, and she hugs me. What is going on here? It was like my eyes opened somehow, and I could see this woman loved me. Whatever it is these people have, I can see it's real. And I can see they're getting it from that Bible. And I will read that book, and I will change my life to fit it, and I won't explain it away. And I start reading the New Testament, starting with Matthew. When I read this, I thought, this Jesus is Jewish. He's not Christian. What's Christian? He's Jewish. This is a Jewish book about a Jewish man. I just knew that my life had started over. It felt like somebody took a bucket of light and dumped it on my head. I, I was such a changed person when the Lord came into my life that my, the executive commander over me in the Air Force actually sent me for a psychological evaluation because I was grinning all the time. But the psychiatrist came back with the evaluation. He said, you know what, there's nothing wrong with you. You, you, we wish everybody were like you. My family, they, they were not happy about this. I, I actually think that they would have preferred that I just stayed a drug addict. I, I, I was always proud of my Jewish heritage. I loved it. But I also found that it didn't have any power to keep me from falling into, frankly, drugs and other kinds of illicit behavior. They would prefer that I stay a drug addict than believe in Jesus. Jesus had set me free. One of the happiest moments of my life was when my mom was 82 years old and she accepted the Lord. Four years later, uh, as my mom was on her deathbed in the hospital, she turned away, she looked straight in front of her, and I heard my mom say this, Jesus, would you take good care of my son? He's a good man. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. It's our desire to practice the Apostle Paul's mandate from Romans 1.16 to reach the Jewish people first. And we'd love for you to prayerfully consider how you can partner with us in this effort. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. And when you reach out today, we'll send you a copy of our booklet, God's Plan and Purposes for the Jewish People. When you reach out to us and order this book, you're going to really love it and enjoy it. It's, it's short, but it really tells the Bible story from a Jewish perspective. God's purpose has always been to save the Jewish people through the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. This reminds me of the Word of God in Isaiah 62, verse 1, where we're told that God's heart burns for salvation, to shine like a torch upon Jerusalem and Zion. The purpose of this booklet is to give my fellow Jewish friends and family members, along with believers all around the world, an overview of God's plan for the Jewish people as revealed in the Bible. And we'll send you the booklet, God's Plan and Purposes for the Jewish People, Free of charge when you call 888-293-7482-888, the number two, and the word Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A. And then don't forget, if you'd like more information about this weekly program, or if you'd like to listen to past episodes, just visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. 
And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.